Hello, everyone, and again, thank you, Janet Lee. I am always lifted up after I hear you play that uh, wonderful organ and your super touch and style, and you play in the spirit. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here again today, and we have been on some fairly sig uh, significant and sensational tracking in which uh, <clears throat> we are taking you people step by step on the manifest ladder that the angels are ascending and descending on. And we are taking you into that, that mind, uh, you know, that is the mind that has to do with the spirit. And as you come into this mind of the spirit and the energy of that mind, uh, it, is, it is causing you to, to see things the way you have never seen them before and to experience things the way you have never experienced them before. And uh, I, just, I just praise God and thank God uh, for that because that is the preparation and the reason and the purpose uh, for, all that, for all that we are doing. And, uh, you know, God, God is calling his people to be uh, stewards of the mysteries of God. And uh, we, can, we can find that uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 1. And, and it's, it's, it's a part of the order of God that is being acquiesced uh, uh, as a divine order uh, for us to be stewards of. And it's, it's exciting. It's absolutely exciting. And blessed be the name of God. All right. Now, <clears throat> there's an interesting um, verse that almost everybody knows. But I'm using the one in Amos 12. Amos 4, 12. Amos chapter 4, verse 12. And it's really simple. It's just a few words. Prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet your God. Okay. Now, most people think that when they hear that, this means someone is going to die. And uh, they are to prepare for their, for their death. They are to prepare uh, uh, to meet their God because they are dying. Uh, I do not say that that scripture cannot be used that way, but I think there's something, uh, you know, much uh, more beautiful, and I think that God is, is preparing a people, and uh, this preparation is about the earth hearing the heavens and the heavens hearing the earth. And God is preparing the person, uh, a people who, who will be ready to, to step into the infinitude uh, in a form unlike our present form. And we must strain, if necessary, to think ourselves out and beyond ourselves. Blessed be the name of God. It is exciting. So I'm inviting you today to prepare yourself to meet thy God. Because we are going to take you on this journey and you are going to get some insight in a way that um, <laughs> you most likely, most likely, have never ever heard it before. We have in these last two weeks got into some very deep revelations about, uh, you know, the things from the uh, great past. And in the second chapter, and I think it's the 14th, or the first chapter in the 14th verse, uh, Revelations 1.14, uh, 
it, it reveals to John uh, how that he is to write the book of Revelations. And it is, it is to, to have a synthesis and a spirituality that uh, is composite of three different aspects, major aspects of that too. That which was be in the past, that which is be in the present, and that which is to come be in the future. And that's how it's to be written. And God wanted us in the seer's view to actually understand all these things in a collective because without having it in a collective and understanding it that way, uh, we do not have the compounded uh, revelation uh, that that fulfills the totality of the meaning of the word. So so with, without that, uh, there are gaps. And it is such gaps that have caused so much uh, difficulty for people to reason and really understand the word of God. And we are uh, on a mission to, to bring the Holy Manifest uh, to all of the ears that will hear and all the eyes that will see and all the hearts that will throb to want to know these things. So bear with us today as, as we are uh, endeavoring to uh, help you prepare to meet your God in this uh, fantastic, beautiful, and wonderful revelation that is so important for you to know. Now, <clears throat> there are so many areas to, uh, to share with you. And uh, last week, of course, um, we, we talked about, um, uh, you might say, the, the Queen of Satan. And uh, we explained how that uh, there was a time of rival, that Rahab, uh, who is de depicted uh, in the sea, as a female um, dragon or a female leviathan, <coughs> excuse me, um, is also depicted in the Book of Revelations uh, as the scarlet, scarlet colored beast upon which uh, the uh, queen of Babylon rides. And we discovered last week that uh, this Rahab uh, is a very ancient name, and believe me, even when you go back into the oldest kind of dialogues or the oldest kind of rhetoric or the oldest kind of script uh, to find that word Rahab, the closest thing that you can come to it is just with the word Ray, uh, which is an Egyptian word about the sun god. And so it's very important uh, that you do understand that connection uh, and and that meaning because it transcends, uh, you know, um, the very ancient times. It is not borrowed from the Chaldean. It's not borrowed from some of the ancient texts. It, it's a new term that that crops up in the Bible. It's a new revelation, and 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 it 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 it. Uh, uh, it, it has deep, profound meaning. And I read you the scriptures last week. So any of you people on new to this message and you want to know about that, you need to go back to last week's teaching and listen to the whole tape because it is profound. And, and there's the special aspect where Rahab, the scarlet-colored beast, turns against and, and hates, hates uh, the uh Queen of Babylon, and uh, later in the book of the, uh, you know, Peace Bible, it actually shows how the Bible teaches that uh, that uh, the Queen of of Babylon is poisoned, 
and and given a cup of poison that she drinks, and this this actually ends up causing her death. Uh, from her death ensues an incredible war between the you know two two evil forces, uh, and it's is quite an unexpected thing because uh, most times people don't think of evil forces fighting against evil forces. But it's sort of like the, the teachings we've done where Gog and Magog uh, war against each other and and uh, and they were at one time friends but they later become foes when Magog decides he wants to be equal with, with uh, and if not equal even uh, above Gog. And and this is, you know, very similar to some of the desires that Gog had that he shouldn't have had. And then, of course, later uh, is is very uh, similar to Lucifer uh, as a, as a uh, co-archangel wanting to be above all the other angels in the heavens. And we talked about that quite a little bit last week, and, and uh, I've gotten some really uh, super emails from you people. And I thank you for your course correspondence with me and I thank you for your comments that you make on the blogs uh, I do not take those for granted uh, I wish I just had more of them uh, and that there were more people uh, who I know are really enjoying all this but they they it's nice when you make a presentation and you express yourself uh, because it it really does uh, uh, punctuate that that there are ears out there listening and there are people very 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 interested uh, you know, in, in such kinds of things. <clears throat> now, there's so many uh, facets of all these things that we want to get very, very straight today. And so we're going to, uh, you know, get right into them. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you some things today that uh, some of you may find difficult and, and even offensive because uh, you are so squared away in your thinking on on some indoctrinations uh, that you have been uh, brainwashed with uh, doctrinally and have always thought these things to be true. Uh, I remember one time in one of the uh, lectures that I was giving that I had a man stand up while I was still lecturing and and uh, and I, I said, yes, sir, can I help you? And he says, well, he says, I am very disturbed. He says, I, I'm, I'm angry. And I says, well, what is your problem? He says, well, I bear witness that these things that you are teaching are true. But he says, I have been under other under tutorships and other uh, uh, teachings that are very, very different and, and if not, uh, you know, anti to, to what you are teaching. And, and it makes me angry to think that I have wasted so many years of my life uh, in those false uh, uh, teachings. And I said to this person, I said, well, you know, um, uh, that is not the way to look at it. Don't, don't, uh, don't get into anger and don't get into condemnation of anything else that you've experienced, and even though it's a different viewpoint. There are 30, 60, 100-fold levels, uh, not to even mention the ground level. So you have the ground level, then you have the 30-fold depth, the 60-fold depth, and the 100-fold depth. And uh, and so this is very, very important uh, to understand. And you're on a staircase, and you're going up. And so don't knock the staircases down below. Uh, that you've had to go up that are, are beneath those ideas that are in the ascending orders. Uh, just, just accept them as experiences. Uh, 
uh, God, uh, the Bible says in Philippians, uh, can even use the message from people who speak a message uh, out of order. Uh, but nevertheless, even though it is, it's in the wrong spirit of, of revelation, it still is a, is a revelation that reveals about Jesus Christ. And therefore, Jesus Christ is, is made known. And, and so we've got to look at things that way and not get into, uh, rambling on about, uh, you know, lost time. <clears throat> Now's the time to make up time. Now's the time for the, for, for God to, to have a way in you so that, uh, there can be a restoration of the years that the canker worm, the caterpillar, and, and, and the various insect world and all the symbolism and, and uh, metaphors that that stands for, uh, you know, can, can uh, be restored. And you can be uh, uh, brought to a place where you are making up the time and it can be done in a short while uh, as you uh, lend your ears and heart uh, to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. So those those are the way that God wants you to to look at that, and um, you know, and we're, we're going to reveal some things about Lucifer that is going to uh, it's going to be you know quite uh, quite incredible. Uh, do please remember that Lucifer uh, is a cherubim angel. It says that in the Bible. He's a cherubim. That means he's one of the three groups of angels that came to this. Uh, he belongs to one of the groups, three groups of angels that came to this galaxy to create. The, the seraphim, the cherubim, and the ophanim. <clears throat> Now, um, let's, uh, let's just keep in mind that there is a day coming when the heavens are going to be, um, you know, full of, of, of people living on other planets And and it won't just be the planet Earth and, and the Father's house, but in Revelations 12 and 19, it says, you heavens. So it's talking about the different heavens and ye that dwell in them. So we, 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 we see that the Bible is, is uh, you know, uh, very upfront about the revelation, you know, of of these things about the heavens and those that are going to dwell in them, that the, these are our prophecies. And Daniel 12.3 says that the wise uh, shall shine as the firmament, and uh, uh, the wise shall shine as the firmament, and they that be wise uh, will shine as stars forever and ever. So, uh, you know, there, there's a, an eternal in, in the heavens place, as it speaks about in Second Corinthians 5.1. And um, we also know that, that the Bible tells us that there have been ages. That's Ephesians 2.7, Ephesians 3.5 and 21, and Colossians 1.26. And then the Bible talks about the plurality of worlds. And these are only the ones that were properly translated. There's some other uh, uh, uses of the word world that are actually plurals, but were only used singular. But Hebrews 1.2 and Hebrews 11.3, those are beautiful, beautiful scriptures that we, you know, know is important to uh, to keep into our mind. We know that in Revelations uh, 1.14, shortly thereafter, God revealing to To John, uh, the, the, the revelation to be written is about that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. He immediately gets into, you know, the, the, the seven plural spirits of God. And, and so those things are all, uh, you know, absolutely, uh, important. Now, <clears throat> let's just start 
by going to Ezekiel uh, 28. And let, let's, let's just start there because I think that scripture is so powerful that it just deserves uh, uh, some really deep uh, uh, understanding so, so that uh, people do not miss the truth that is involved in that. Ezekiel 28. Now, we talked about this last week, but, but it's uh, conditional that we need to speak about it more because there is a whole lot more to be said about the compactness, uh, the, the sensationalism that is really in this, this uh, revelation. Now, we come to understand, <clears throat> we come to understand that, uh, and have explained to you, that there are different scenarios in the Bible in which uh, Lucifer and, and different entities, including Christ himself, they take on personifications of other people. Just like when Jesus in the garden, after raising uh, or rising from the dead, he appeared to Mary uh, as a gardener. And, and then uh, in uh, Mark 16, chapter, uh, he appeared, uh, you know, uh, to others, to other individuals uh, in different forms. So we know this is a thing that, that is Bible. We know that it refers to, to, to how that people of God and, and also people of the other world have been able to take on these other forms. We know that, that, that Satan, and we're going to get into that uh, in a deeper way, uh, can even appear uh, a, 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 as being transformed into an angel of light. So we, we mustn't miss this. So here we have, we have a Satan being uh, recognized, or Lucifer at this point being recognized, in Ezekiel 28, uh, you know, and we, we'll start with um, uh, verse 11, uh, and it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Now, I really like that word, moreover, because it means that there is, uh, in my way of interpreting it, there is more to be said, and, and with the capability of this more, it is able to take you over the lumps, and, uh, and over the cracks, and over the breaks, and over the confusions, and over the delusions. And so I love that word, moreover. And that's why I want to bring everybody tonight more over. I want to take you into more over so that you can get over, uh, over the lumps. And you can get over the blockades. Uh, you, you can get over the detours. You can get over the misunderstandings. You can get over uh, all of the implications that seem to be um, you know, initiated by required uh, uh, doctrines that in truth and in all honesty uh, are not only uh, far from being feasible uh, as being relational to the truth, but, 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 but are, do not synchronize to the truth and, and are basi basically uh, causes that have uh, detoured people from finding the road of truth. So, moreover, we, we want to, to take you into this. And it says, um, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. And we explain to you that this king of Tyrus, we do not say that there could not have ever been uh, another king of Tyrus. It, you know, it was a nation, and a very interesting one, off the uh, coast of, uh, of Lebanon. 
But but uh, it, the word Tyrus actually means rock. And I explained to you how that in uh, Deuteronomy there are it mentions the two different rocks, and and there is the rock which is the Lord, and we think of that as the rock of ages, and then there is the other rock, which refers to nothing less than Lucifer, Satan, and and so there are these two rocks wh- which are which are examples, and and um, the rocks are are very important things. We we have. You know, crystal rock, so to speak, with the Urim and Thummim. We have the the Aaron's breastplate with with the various stones, each representing the twelve tribes of Israel. We have the twelve foundations uh, of Jerusalem mentioned in the Book of Revelation. We have in referred uh, in refer a reference to uh, Lucifer the stones of fire uh, that that he, it mentions he he walks through these stones of fire so so the stone thing you know uh, is very um, celebrant of his termin uh, of his of his uh, termination uh, in the sense of it bringing to to a resolution. Uh, an application applied uh, to a meaningful definition uh, that that only is going to be open as we get into the moreovers. We have to get into the moreovers. As we get into the moreovers, then we're going to begin to open these these heretofore uh, sealed truths that have have not have not been available uh, to the, to you know the, the the average mind, the average person. Okay, and so so we have the king of Tyrus and say unto him, this is, we're in uh, Ezekiel 28, verse 12, say unto him, you know, thou, uh, thus saith the Lord. Now this is the Lord God saying this. This isn't Ezekiel saying it. This isn't some some religious group um, saying it. This is the Lord God saying it through the prophet Ezekiel. And and so now that that gives it a lot of clout and a lot of weight, and it says, "Thus saith the Lord God, Thou, Thou," and he's talking about the king of Tyrus, "sealeth up the sum full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty." Now, this is such an incredulous statement, and there's no other statement like this really in the Bible. And the only statements that would come close to this are the ones that describe God and the ultimacy of Jesus Christ. But this, this is said by God. God is recognizing that this king of Tyrus and the setting of the king of Tyrus is very, very important. It even has long-term uh, prophecy uh, that, that will tie into when, when the... Uh, uh, you know the the the, the god of uh, of forces is uh, set up as though being uh, the messiah in the temple of god it's even connected to all of that and the you the word tires there and connected with tire and all that is very 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 uh, um uh, important and of course i can't get into all the detail of that today i just don't have time but when it says a statement like this thou sealeth up the sum full of wisdom. That means that as far as wisdom is concerned, he, as an individual, as an incorporate, incorporate mind, seals up all the sum. 
Now, when you say some, you're talking about different parts. Because these different parts, you know, plus, minus, plus, plus, minus, minus, plus, plus, end up equaling the totality of wisdom. And he, the king of Tyrus, who later explains who that is, seals up. He's got that sealed. He's got all that wisdom. Now, if any of you people have some kind of an idea about Lucifer, Satan, as being some idiot, some ignorant fool, you don't even know the Bible. You don't even know the truth. And you are in deception. Because it's so important to not only know about these forces, we, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know the relational aspects of the God of gods and, and, and the Father, which aren't in heaven. As to Jesus Christ, we need to know and understand the power of this Lucifer, Satan, and we need to know who we are. Because if you don't know who you are, you are at a gigantic disadvantage. And, and you are most likely going to be an, an entity that weaves in and out of fear and confusion and disruption and displacement. Because you need to know who you are because once you really know who you are, then you can set the goal. Then you can set your mind. Then you can start, you know, bringing in all of the things that are references to who you are. And all of the things that are necessary for you to do to bring about the ultimate plan for the salvation of who you are. Now, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Perfect in beauty. Now, when you're referring this to a person that is described in verse 14, which is only, you know, we were, we were reading verse 12, so it's only two verses down. It says, Thou art the appointed, or the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now it tells who Tyrus is. So someone says, Oh, now this is talking about a, a literal king. You, dear sir or dear lady, do not know what you are talking about. Like I said, we do not say that we're, we're not kings of Tyrus. But this particular uh, uh, descriptive thing has a definition. And it says who this king of Tyrus that the Bible here is referring to, and that it was the anointed cherub. Cherub is the singular for cherubim, plural, which is a group of angels. All right. Now, that is so very, very important. So then 
once we begin to see that, we see he's not only he not only seals up the sum full of wisdom, but there's a conjunction here and. So this means he also seals up the sum perfect in beauty. So Lucifer is called, you know, the angel of beauty. Now this is not only speaking about looks, handsomeness, beautifulness, but this is talking about a beautiful mind, a beautiful personality. And all of the other kinds of attributes that could uh, be filed in relationship of the term beauty. And when you take beauty, and you, it's not just beauty alone, but it's, you know, it's, it's perfect in beauty. And, he, and here's what I want to say to the people today. The church world today does not have a cue. Does not have a cue of who Satan, as Lucifer Satan is. They do not have a cue of what is really going on in the world and how, how to explain the importance of these things to the people so that they will be able to recognize deception, be able to recognize trickery, be able to recognize who they are dealing with. And today, I want to bring you into the moreover. And I want to help you to see what is being missed out there. Because the people are going to be expecting a totally different picture of, of, of Satan and what he looks like and what his personality is like. Because human beings... Some of them were poets, some of them were preachers, have given their idea of hell and their idea of Satan, and they have made horrid examples of what Satan looks like and how Satan behaves himself. And so people are expecting to see these totally horrid, almost animalistic monster type of, 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 of appearances. And that is what they are connecting with their expectation of being able to know Satan when they see Satan because Satan is going to look like these dreadful, horrible, grotesque, ugly creatures. They missed the point that some of these creatures that in their minds are grotesque and, and beastly and ugly, like the serpent and like the dragons. But if you really go back into history deeply and you really search out some of these things about the serpents, even in the heavens there is this great serpent that is, is a constellation of stars that was made by God. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that anything that you mentioned about a, a snake or a serpent, you just recoil and you, you just you can't stand to look at them and think about them. 
because in your idea you have you have uh, associations that have been embedded to you, and you may not even realize it. But many of those are are Christian doctrines. And I belabored to put the word Christian on it, but only as the people in the Christian faith have, through their imaginations, created that. But actually, there are many individuals, even in the world today, and there are histories that speak of some of these serpents as absolutely being beautiful creatures. Beautiful. Some say, well, I don't care what anyone says. I don't think you're beautiful. Well, isn't that just fine? You just keep your little ideas and be all happy with them. Polish them up just the way you like to see them shine. No one's interested in fighting with you about that. You just hate what you hate and think what is ugly what you think is ugly and, and detestable. But you listen to me anyway so that you don't end up a fool by being deceived. So listen here. So people have the idea of how they think that Satan is going to appear. But when Satan comes, he's not going to appear like that. He's not going to have hooves on his feet. He's not going to have this distorted head, distorted looking eyes. He's not going to appear like some grotesque, uh, uh, distorted, freakish animal. And if that's what you're looking for, you will be fooled and deceived. You will be fooled and you will be deceived because you've forgotten to learn the Word of God. And the Word of God says that Satan is sealed, has seals up the sum, the sum, the total of wisdom and the perfection of beauty. When Satan comes in his manifested human body, he's going to be beautiful. He's going to be appealing. He's going to have a beautiful mind. He's going to have sparkly eyes. And I'll show you in the Bible what he's going to be able to do with this sum of wisdom and this sum of perfected beauty. He's going to captivate the world, ladies and gentlemen. And the world's going to find it very difficult to believe, even the Christians, they'll find it very difficult to believe that this could be Satan or the son of perdition because they're expecting, according to the teachings they've received, that Satan's going to look a certain way and he's going to act a certain way. And they're going to be expecting Satan to look and to act the way they have been taught for hundreds of years, falsely taught. And so when Satan really comes and they look at this, this person, they're going to think this person is beautiful, this person is pure, this person's the real thing, this person's godlike. You don't have to believe this. But if you don't believe it, 
you will be losing out on the truth because I am here today to tell you the truth and the facts. And if you can just cuddle yourself enough to convince yourself to listen through to this teaching, it's going to affect you. It's going to have an effect on you. Now once you get this down, and don't lose it, that Lucifer is still a cherub angel. The white throne judgment has not happened yet. Lucifer has not been judged yet. He has been dispersed and displaced. There has been charges made against him. But the charges have not been proven nor have the charges been taken to the divine court of the spirit of the judges. Someone says, oh, I don't know about that. I think it's that he's been judged. No, you don't think that. Because the mind that you're using to think with is other people's influence. And you're just thinking what they have thought. And they have thought wrongly and, and incorrectly. Now you stop thinking and you listen to what the manifester is telling you today because this message is the truth and it's Bible. It's based on Scripture. And I'm just getting started. Lucifer was in Eden. Verse 13. In the garden of God. Every precious stone. Every precious stone. Every precious stone was his covering. The sardius, the topaz, the, the diamond, the beryl, the onks, the jasper, the sa sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle. And the workmanship of thy tabs, tablets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast born, when you were born. <laughs> and this is all taking that which was from the second universe and bringing it through the channels and the tunnels of time to all the happenings of this person and his transformation to become from Lucifer to Lucifer and to become an archangel and then through some of his kind of what he felt was superior thinking, being misled into a war that caused him to be cast down with his angels to the earth. But he was co-owned. And I, I, we went through this teaching on the co and I can't just keep going over and over that. <clears throat> but we showed how that when you are co-owned, this is where these, as it as it describes it here, and this is so you know every precious stone, every precious stone here is equivalent to these persons that were angels, cherubim angels, that reached the equivalence of an archangel, and since they're is only allowed to be two persons 
a commander and 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 his assistant co-archangel all of the others that become equal to a uh, to a uh, archangel the only way they can enter into that office is by co-uning with either like if they're a cherubim with either Gabriel or Lucifer and Lucifer was co-uned by legions and legions and legions and legions of cherubims. And so when Lucifer fell from heaven and his angels, it was Lucifer and these cherubims that were co-owned with him. And yes, the angels that were disobedient of the Ophidims, they also fell. But we must not ever fail to understand there are two distinctly different groups the Ophanim fallen angels and the cherubim fallen angels that were co-owned. Now the, the cherubims that were under Gabriel, the rest of them did not fall. Only Lucifer as an plural entity who had all these co-owned entities uh, that had become one with him, that fell with him. And so when we're talking about watchers, there are the good watchers, there are the evil watchers. When we're talking about the fallen angels, there is the one group, which is the Ophanims. There's the other group, which is the Koun to Lucifer cherubim group. We have to not fail to keep that straight. Because if you fail to keep that straight, you miss the, o the moreover. You miss it. Now, it's important for me to have repeated that. Because you really won't get the whole story correct until you really understand that. And until you really understand that it is not uncommon, but it is actually uh, a, a, an inheritant type of thing for, for spirits to join and, and, and uh, you know, keep the same space. So that even in the first domain, which is the, the heaven of heavens, and which is the pure spirit energy realm of love, that there are even in multiple eternities of time individuals that go through the, the hollowing and the halo and, and become, uh, uh, after they go through this, this uh, hollowing, uh, they can ultimately become co-owned with God which is not something that would happen in a few eternities it's, it's stretched out to many 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 eternities before anyone ever reached that, reaches that place but they become co-owned with the ultimate invisible God and so it is a plan of God for things to become one that is a very very important number to become one, a compound one. And so we're going to get into that to a great extent here today as we begin to reveal some moreover details. Okay, so now if you've got those points and uh, you're, you're beginning uh, and, and you are beginning to see the differentiation, for instance, in the the holy realm of the first domain, which is pure energy spirit. And there is absolutely 
no matter of any kind that that is uh, in existence in the first domain. The first domain, kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, and in that realm, God is invincible. And they don't marry in that realm. And he's invisible, Colossians 1, 15 through 16. 1 Timothy 1, 17, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. They don't marry. In that realm, Mark twelve twenty five, And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of, of that heaven, the first, first domain. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Wow. So there, there, there are, you know, beautiful revelations. They don't marry in that, in the first domain. Mark 12, 25, Luke 20, 35, Matthew 22, 30. Those are very, 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 very important understandings. And in that realm, they just worship in spirit and truth. And the legion thing is understood when Jesus was casting out demons. Mark 5, 9 and 15, Luke 8 and 30, Matthew 26 and 53. I'll read those again. Mark 5, 9 and verse 15, Luke 8, 30, and Matthew 26, 53. He ran into this voice that spoke representing all of them and he said my name is legion for we are many showing that many 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 manifold demons can collectively enter a body and possess it but that it is a thing that goes on Always. It is a thing. It's not some mystery that has never happened before. Wow. Wow. Now, we need to understand that Lucifer can appear as an angel of light. And that his brightness is so bright that the sin that he committed wasn't a sin of darkness. It was a sin of brightness. And we find that in the 28th chapter of Ezekiel, verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. The corruption that happened to him was because of the brightness of his glory and that's because he wanted to be more like God. He wanted to be elevated above all the stars of heaven because he felt he had this entitleship which God had given him that he represented the total sum of wisdom and that he represented the total sum of 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 the perfection of beauty. 
And so he was based on that analogy and that description of, of, of himself by God of the nature to believe that that was God saying to him, you, you are the, the, the total sum of wisdom and beauty. That that automatically then put him above all of the other angels because he was sealed in the total sum of that beauty and of that wisdom. And that that should put him, and, and without realizing, uh, although he would surely have known this, that, that no forward advance can ever be made that is not given by, by the deliberate uh, offer of God and that people don't self-appoint themselves and they don't self-exalt themselves and they don't self-appoint themselves because when they do that, that is relati- related to pride. Okay. Now, we've we should have we should have that down, and how important that is, and what that does. Now let's go over to um, let's go over to the New Testament, and let's get into Thessalonians. And uh, let's just um, let's just look at Second. Thessalonians chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering unto him, that you not be soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. Now, if you are reading... Conspiracy, conspiracy theories and you are getting troubled in your spirit and you are getting shaken, then you are being disobedient to the word of God. You are into something that, that is not the perfect will of God. Or if you are into religious doctrines that is causing you to be fearful, fearful of hell, fearful of the judgment coming on the earth, That, that is for people that do not have perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if you are into fear of those things, now I'm not saying that you can't be acknowledged of them, but if you are trembling, then that belongs to the Satan cap. For the Bible says that even Satan, Satan believes and trembles. But for God's people... They are not supposed to believe and tremble. They are supposed to believe and rejoice and be at a place where they are not afraid because perfect love casts out all fear. Here we are, Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. We beseech you. That's a real emphasis. Real emphasis. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither in spirit nor by word, nor by letter from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. 
I've had people say to me, yeah, but, you know, the Bible says that the day of the Lord is at hand. And what does that mean? I mean, that, my goodness, that, that means it's just about ready to happen. It's at hand right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of those things were written by some of the apostles. And, and don't ever get the idea that these apostles were perfect. Don't ever get the idea that everything that they said was of the highest order. Some of the things that they wrote was only 30-fold or 60-fold. And so the moreover is the hundredfold. And when, when the hundredfold of the things that they said gets brought out of the, the 30 and the 60 into the hundredfold, then the perfection of what the intent of those words in the ultimate resolution will be understood. Paul said, you know, we which remain and are alive shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. He thought he was going to be alive in the rapture. But they took him out of house arrest and they, they martyred him. He never made it to the year 70,000, 70, 70, pardon me, 70 AD. He never made it. The only apostle disciple that made it beyond 70 AD was, was John the Beloved. Disciple, beloved disciple of, of Jesus Christ. And he moved out of the Jerusalem area over into Asia Minor to escape all of the, the problems that were there. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. Another way to say it is that day cannot come. 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 Until there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, <clears throat> who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand the Bible. The Bible says there is going to come an incredible falling away. And that's going to happen before the coming of the Son of Man. And the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, that means above all the churches and their religious concepts, all the people that have their ideas about who God is, who God is not, he opposes all of that. He is not into their religious ideas. He basically thinks a lot of the ideas that a lot of people are teaching religiously is stupid. And to a great extent, he is correct. Now, some will say, oh, man, I don't like that. It'll be good if you get stirred up a little bit. Really listen to what I have to say here. There's coming an incredibly great fall away. And why? Because people are not expecting what's going to be coming. They're expecting to see 
see a devil with cloven feet, the forked tongue with, with red diabolic looking eyes, beastly attributes. That is not how he's going to appear. That is anti-Bible. It says, who opposes and exalteth himself. He's going to exalt himself above anything of the religious orders. The religious orders that are on earth today, with very exception of a few, don't even hold a, hold, don't even hold a breath to the state of exaltation that Lucifer Satan is going to raise himself to. That's Bible. That's what it says right here. I just read it to you. Now, you need to listen to what the Word of God says because that is what the Word of God says. And God says if you're all steamed up, if you're worried, if you're in fear, uh, and, and you're listening to what some man says or listening to what some group says, said you are out of the mode of, uh, of, the, of the will of God. You are out of context to the Word of God. And you're going to be part of that great falling away because you are not going to be expecting Satan to look or act like he is and like he does. You're not going to expect that. And he's going to lift himself above all of the religious concepts that exist in the world. All of them that are called in their concepts about God. And he's going to do it in such a way. And this, this is a, a forensic word. So. This means causation. He's going to do it in such a way that so. That he as God. Sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. So when he comes he's going to reveal himself as God. And he's going to reveal himself in such a perfect beauty of God and such an exalted wisdom of God that it's going to cause the greatest falling away from the church world that's ever been. Because they're going to say, my God, look at this beautiful person. Look at this brightness. Look at this angel of light. Look at the intelligence this person has. The wisdom. This surely has to be God. He's going to do it in such a way. And, and the people will say, this isn't Satan. I know what Satan looks like. Satan, Satan has devil-looking eyes. They're, they're, they're red and they're evil. I would know Satan when I saw him. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I want you to listen to this message. I want you to listen to this message. And Paul says, remember when I was with you, I told you these things. Now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. These things are what withholdeth. He cannot come. Jesus cannot come until this event happens. And when it does happen, the religious world is going is to crumble and fall. 
And it's going to be a secondary prophecy fulfillment of the words of Jesus. When he said, see this temple? See these stones fit it one upon another? He said, I tell you, the day comes that not one stone will be left upon another. That was the physical fulfillment that happened in 70 AD. But there's a spiritual fulfillment that the, that the world's world of religion and the organizations of religion, and I'm talking about not just the Christian religions, but all the other different kinds of religions, they're going to fall, and not one stone's going to be left upon another. Because when this son of perdition reveals himself, he's going to overcome all of these other religiosities. And people are going to see the wisdom, and they're going to see the beauty, and they're going to see the brightness. And he's going to lift himself up with the very means so that people will believe that he himself is God. And he'll be sitting in the temple as though he is God. And millions and billions and billions of people will believe. And, and they will fall away from their religions. And they, they will divorce themselves from those religions. Because they are not expecting Lucifer, Satan, to come looking in the brightness and the beauty and the wisdom of a person that is taking on the demeanor of God. They're not expecting that. They have been told other things. But now you're being told the truth. Now you are being told the truth. Wow. Wow. Here is, my dear friends, something that you need to understand. Because unless you do understand this, then you're going to have a very hard time really moving into the, the revelation of God. And I want to help you to move into those revelations. I want, I want you to have an understanding. Okay, I love the Bible. But I do also understand that there are some translations that are unfortunate. And I don't really blame the translators for this because they did not have the clarity of the 30, 60, 100-fold revelation. And so when they looked at some of the scriptures... They were trying to bring out a translation that they thought was in the, the reference of what those words and terms meant. And they were doing their best to fulfill that. I'm not blaming them. But it is unfortunate. And the Bible makes it very, very clear and even Jesus during his ministry said, I have many things to tell you, to share with you, but I cannot share them now because you would not be able to bear them. So we have to then take that backwards in, backwards in time and understand there has been times in which Paul vividly records and says that same, that same uh, blindness, that same veil, that was over the faces of the people in the times of Moses is still existent today. 
And he says, for now we look through a glass darkly. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. So he puts it into an equation of, at the very best scenario, only having 50% of truth available. And that the veil of this withholdenness, withholding people from being able to come into the ultimate truth. Jesus said, blessed are you who see and blessed are you who hear. And that's what I want to pass on you today as you listen to this word, as you are perceiving it. Blessed are you by the Holy Spirit that see and that hear. Now, way back when the translators were translating in the Greek, and they were translating the Greek words, there was three different spellings. And they chose to translate agents of Satan under the name demon, D-E-M-O-N, or D-E-M-O-N-S, demons. Now that is not like it is incorrect. It's just that it is incomplete. Because there are other spellings like daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, and daimon, daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N. And the interesting thing is, is that these different words have different applications. You can go back in history and without hardly any research discover that the word um, daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, which some people make the A silent and still pronounce it as demon, but it actually is a different word. And you can see where people did not think of daemon as being an evil spirit. That it, that it had a different application. And then the word diamond, accent on the die, diamond, was another meaning. Well, demons are agents of Satan. But daemon, these are genies. From the word gene, G-E-N-E, your gene. So these daemons are your genes. And, and some of these are inherited genes that come over, cross over from the patriots of old. Not all the patriots of old were good people. So you've, in, you've inherited things in your DNA and in your, your system, and you have in you genes that represent daemons, which are genies. <clears throat> so there are many times when Jesus is depicted as casting out demons for their healing, to heal deafness to heal blindness, that those were genetic dispositions and they were daemons. 
And because it was not understood in the translation properly as it should have been, it made it look like that if you're sick, then you're sick because it's a demon. And they did not understand impetition. They did not understand that you can be a sick person and not ha- and not it not have anything to do with the demons causing it. You can eat incorrectly. You can stress yourself. You can put yourself into a dangerous environment. Not everything that is inherent is of demon uh, power. And so it really made the church world just look inappropriate. Because basically it looked like they were just pagans. I've had people say to me, oh, you sure wouldn't want to die of cancer. I think cancer is a diabolical disease and that anybody that dies of cancer is because of demon power in their life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is paganistic. That, that's the kind of thing, same kind of idea when people went out and killed innocent people that they called witches and killed them and burned them at the stake or tortured them. It's just paganistic. And the world's been full of that for ages of time. And that same idea when people think that a sickness is caused by, by demons. I'm not saying that demons cannot cause a sickness. I am saying that the majority of the time when Jesus was casting out these spirits, they were demons, not demons. They were genies. And when he was doing this, he was revitalizing their lattice, their body lattice, and their DNA. Some of these people had, had uh, diseases that, that, they were, that were inherent. And, and their relatives going back had those diseases. And it was passed on to them in the genes. And these we call genies. And they were demons. Now, this is very serious, what I'm getting ready to say. And I've never, ever taught this before. But, as I have said recently, I am moving people into the, moreover, diamond, diamonds, diamonds. These are ghosts. Ghosts of of humans who have died and that are wandering the earth because of either committed suicide or for other reasons that they have to live their self out upon the earth. And what people do not realize is that these ghosts, just as they go and possess houses, buildings, they possess those houses because of their memory of humans living there. And they also can and do possess human beings. And that is the third word that was translated but mistranslated in the Bible and only left demons. 
So when it just said demons every time, it didn't acquiesce the revelation of how that these ghosts are looking for bodies to enter into. And it all has to do that by being in a body, which the Bible describes as a temple of God, it can be a temple of God, that it allows demons, genies, and ghosts to be the benefactors of the charge of the spirit that is the that is the what the Bible calls an angel presence. Because your spirit is your angel presence. And there still has a charge. And that charge is something that ghosts desire to get into your body to take, to, to, to partake of. And, and, and obviously the Bible describes that when demons, and for now we take those demons' understanding, they could be daemons or they could be diamonds, not D-I-A, but diamonds, diamonds. That's a better way to say it. They could be diamonds. So we got, we got demons, daemons, and diamonds. Daimons are the ghosts, the daemons are the genies, and the demons are the agents of Satan. And it makes you understand the Bible in the proper way for those to be translated correctly. Now, is this something you should be afraid of? You know, you can have the power over demon possession over daimon possession just with your own will. But what happens to people is they get a perverse imagination. And that imagination, they become so terrified it can open a door so that you can be possessed by a ghost. Now, just recently, and this is why I've decided to go ahead and teach this, there was a person I got a call, and they were watching a movie. And it was about ghosts. And they got so terrified with this, although they may not have realized it, they actually felt that that ghost had come and possessed them. And I had to do a prayer to release them from that situation. But it is a real thing, and it does happen. And ghosts are real. And if you don't think that ghosts are real, then why do we have the revelation of the Holy Ghost? Because that ghost idea is a definite aspect of a state of the Spirit. And we know that God does not come into the, into the matrix, the universe. But he allows his Holy Ghost to come. Those things are so important. So absolutely important. And can we cast out genies? Yes, we can. This is called the revelation of Latolution 
and lattice changing, changing people's lattice, affecting their DNAs so that those inherited things that can be everything from a heart problem later as they get older or, or it can be arthritic and that type of thing in their body that they inherit from their parents or from their grandparents or way back. We can go in and we can work on casting out genies in the sense of changing the lattice in their very DNA. We can cast out these these diamonds that are the ghosts. And we can cast out these demons that are the agents of Satan. But we must understand when we are reading the Bible that these words were taken and put into the Old English so that they all just ended up meaning all just ended up meaning demons. And it's the same thing they did with hell. Hell comes from several different words, but they just all put it into the word hell. And there are many different words uh, in the, the, the New Testament as well as the Old Testament that um, when you go into the concordance, you'll see that the, that the plural and the singular use the same definition. So only can you know if it's plural or singular by the contextuality of how you interpret the word. And by the same token, you know when it says hell, like for instance in Peter, you know it says hell. But when you look up the word, it's different from all of the other hells that are mentioned in the Bible. It's not Gehenna, the, the, the burning fire, the garbage place where they burnt fires continuously. It's not the grave, which was a kind of hell, Sheol. But it's Tartaru, which is a totally different kind of hell. But if a person didn't know the interpretation, you would look it up, and what would you get? You would look it up, and you would just say, hell, it's just it's hell. But yet you would find, as you search in other scriptures, you know, it talks about the lowest hell. There cannot be a lowest hell unless there are other levels of hell above that. One hell is even called a kind of paradise. It's a holding place. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, This day wilt thou be with me in paradise. And then he went down into this place also called, called hell. But it was upper Hades. It was, it was a type of paradise where spirits were being held. And as it said in Peter, the, the, these spirits that were sometimes disobedient during the time of, of Noah, he went and he preached to them. Obviously, this man that was on the, the cross with him, he ministered to him too. So we've got to get these things right. We've got to get them straight. Or there's just no way that, that people are going to come into the revelation of God. They're not going to come into the revelation of God unless they begin to see and understand these things.
And and it's the same thing with some of the word, you know, like words like worm. When people talk about, you know, that where the worm never dies. Jesus mentioned that, and also in the 66th chapter of Isaiah mentions that. And in Job 17.14 and in Job 25.6, Job basically says, I am a worm. In Psalms 22.6, David says, I am a worm. In Isaiah 41.14, it talks about the worm Jacob. In Isaiah 66.24 that I mentioned, it says, talks about where the worm does not die. And that's very, very interesting because the serpent, the Gihon, said to Eve when she was looking at the fruit on the tree of good and evil knowledge, if you eat of this fruit, thou shalt surely not die. And the Bible says where the worm does not die. And Jesus approved that in Mark nine forty four and 48, when he speaks about the worm that dieth not. And we even see that this is such a powerful meaning, and we know that stars represent, represent individuals, entities, and that in Revelation 8, 11, there is the star wormwood. So it's not just a, a, a small thing. And there's a, a couple of scriptures that probably be worth reading, uh, you know, like in uh, Isaiah 14, uh, 11. In Isaiah 14, 11, it says, how art, how art thou, thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Uh, or pardon me, that was 12. In, in 11, it says, thy pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of thy, thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. And, and, and that's a, a real revelation that we have to understand. We have to understand how important that this thing, this thing is. Because the Bible says that in verse 9, in this same Isaiah 14, hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Now how does it stir up the dead? For thee. It stirs the dead up for thee. They're moved to meet thee at thy coming. How, how does this happen? What does this mean? Well, we see that human beings are called worms. And they, they can go to hell where the worm dies not. And when it talks about, you know, thy pomp is brought down to the grave. And the noise of the vials and the worm is spread under thee and, and the worms cover thee. It's very possible that these worms are representing all of these these spirits now, where the worm dieth not, that are in this hell that is rising to meet him. <clears throat> now, I, I touched on this a little bit in one of my uh, teachings, how that Lucifer is going to go into hell, how that he is given this job. In, in in the in the book of Hebrews, don't lose your place in Isaiah, or pardon me, in the book in the book of uh, Revelations. And in chapter twenty, verse one, it says, "And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand." 
That's, that's, that's one revelation that it gives there. Okay? But then we find that before that happens, there, there, there's, there's another revelation. And, and, and this, is, um, this is just absolutely almost amazing and, 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 and astounding to, uh, to even believe. But it, it's where that Satan is given, uh, is given the keys. In verse, chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And in verse 11, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue is Apollyon. So now when it says in Isaiah that hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming, it stirreth up the death, even all the, it stirreth up the chief ones, even all chief ones of the earth. <coughs> these are these are top entities. Excuse me. <coughs> all right. Now that connects chapter fourteen of Isaiah, talking about Lucifer, hell being moved beneath his feet. He goes down, he's been given the key to the bottomless pit. And they've got a king over them. A king. He has a kingship in hell. But remember, there's different kinds of hell. But this is a pretty serious place. But I mean, Lucifer knew, and Lucifer is right, because he seals up the, the sum of wisdom. Thou shalt surely not die. He spoke this through the Gihon. Thou shalt surely not die. And it was true. And you shall become as gods. And it was true. Now that wasn't the, the hundredfold revelation representing that you wouldn't die in that 24-hour day, but you would die physically in the thousand-year day, which was the hundredfold revelation of that which was what God was speaking when he said, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you'll die. But he didn't refer to the 24-hour day. He was referring to the thousand-year day. And Satan knew that. Satan's intelligent, smart. Now here's what people don't understand. And this is important. People are putting everything upon Satan. Anyone that's killed, anyone that's massacred, anyone that's tortured, they believe it is, it is Satan conducted. I tried to bring this revelation last week about impedition from the word impede, something that, that impedes, stands in the way of you being able to do something. That there is, there is natural impedition. And the Bible says in the book of, of, of uh, Ecclesiastes, I pray that, that mortals would understand and would be manifested that they themselves are beasts. But we have to understand 
this killing, this murder, this savage, 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 savage thing that goes on. People are expecting every act that happens that was diabolically fomented by Satan. No, it wasn't. That is the savage beast body. Humans are beasts. The Bible says that they are. Humans are animals. And unless you understand that, you will never be safe. Or you'll never be able to come into the grace of God that takes all fear out of your heart. You need to understand that a lot of the things that are happening out here are happening because of humans harming humans. And and they can be crazy. They can be literally crazy. And, and, and you know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I remember one time this lady who was a very kind, gentle, talking lady, and she was a Christian, and then she got dementia. And when she got dementia, and I went to see her one time with her son, she was just swearing and cussing and using terrible language just like a sailor might of the worst kind because of this dementia. that She wasn't demon-possessed. She got mentally askewed. And the Bible talks of, uh, talks of it as being mingled with a perverse spirit which can happen as a as as a um, uh, result of 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 getting into what we call the daemon, which is part of the body the beast body apparatus, and you can get into that DNA in which you fall into this. You know, mental state or, or things happen. And, and, and you know, it, it comes out like on the dark side, you could say. Because the beast, the beast is, is an animal. And it, it does not belong to the higher hierarchy. It, it, it is of itself a diabolical entity. And that's why Jesus said he would not take testimony of man. Well, let me tell you something else. And you need to understand this. Neither does Satan take testimony of man. Satan totally understands the human-animal nature that humans have. And he knows that he cannot even trust humans to not do the unpredictable thing even if they make a pact with uh, Satan. He cannot trust them. And those are part of the reasons why you could see the example that I was given to you with, with, with Rahab turning against the Babylonian queen. How that there are physical things and there are spiritual things. But there are just terrible things that happen in the physical realm. It is full of subductive zones. 
and when people begin to understand this, you know, you, you, you're going to have to protect yourself against the beasts that are out there. And and they're described in the Bible that there will come a day when when, when the wolf and the you know the the, the lion, the hyena, uh, the lambs will all be able to lay down together. That their their beastly nature will 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 be resoluted. It's not talking about demons there, or devils. It's talking about that there are people with, you know, natures in them that are animalistic, and 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 an animal thinks nothing of killing. It'll even there are animals that even kill their own kind. You can see in the ape world, where. Of course, in evolution, they think that we're right. We're practically uh, very close to being from the ape world. I don't agree with that, but I mean, that's what they think. But, you know, just considering how that you see some of these ape type of, of, of creatures, that they will go and take a, a babe, a baby ape, out of the arms of a mother and they'll they'll kill it and they'll eat it. It's animal. It's animal. It's beastly. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not demonic. It's animal. Yes, we know there are demonic forces. Yes, we know. They are incredible forces, and they're dark principalities. But then we even see in the Bible that God uses a as a descriptive word phrase describing his own territory by terms of using darkness as a dark pavilion. So, people should not jump to conclusions about things. Now, let me tell you what Lucifer Satan plans to do. The world that Lucifer Satan turned into a, 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 a wilderness really was the world that represents human beings. When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he obviously is talking about, for God so loved humankind. And they're called the world. Satan has done his, his thing. He's moving in a certain legal, lawful way to bring about proof for his case when it comes up. And when the Bible says in Daniel that the thrones were cast down and, this, and the judgment was set, that day is coming, but it's, it's a ways off. But understand this, ladies and gentlemen. This is so very, very important. Lucifer is going to have the keys to hell, and he is going to try to turn hell into a paradise. Someone says, oh, come on, I don't believe that. Isn't that too bad? 
because that's exactly what is going to happen. Just like he turned Babylon into the Hanging Gardens and a beautiful, beautiful place. Lucifer is going to try to overcome the consequences of the the problems of uh, of the the demons the the genies by introducing a plan for human longevity and health plus he's going to introduce plans that will uh, that will allow detection of earthquakes volcanoes tsunamis any kind of interference that would be coming from out of the skies like asteroids meteorites giant hail tornadoes and he plans to conquer to conquer these when it says that he could, he's going to bring down fire from heaven in the sight of men People think that that means that he's going to he's going to say hocus pocus, and this blazing inferno is going to come down. But there's another way of interpreting that: that he is going to take the things that are fiery and destructive, like asteroids, meteorites, earthquakes, volcanoes, and he's going to take that fire and bring it down the side of men so that men are going to be able to manage those those problems block those asteroids and beware of the effect of the of the volcanoes and be able to go down deep into the earth and intercept the lava terrain so that there's at least a dozen places that these that this great tunnel of lava that's building up will be perforated and will 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 come out far down many miles below on the earth or hundreds of feet below so that it will not be able to reach that volcanic, volcanic explosive uh, condition. He's going to do these in incredible things, things that I'm not even mentioning or even thinking to mention. And people are going to say, this is God. This is peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, Jesus said, if this was my world, my disciples would fight. That's what he told Pilate. If this was my world, my disciples would fight that we would not be, we would not be uh, uh, arrested and captured by you. But this is not my world. This is not my kingdom. So what does, what does the Bible tell us about that? Well, it tells us some amazing things. It, 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 it really tells us some amazing things. And, and I want to talk about that I want to share that with you in this revelation in 2 Corinthians 4 4 
It says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the people. It's the God of this world is Satan. In Ephesians 6.12, it talks about the ruler of the darkness of this world. There's a ruler of this world. And it's not like what most people think. This whole thing of, of the world being brought back to Jesus Christ is an act of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19, in which there's an act of reconciliation in process of reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 5.19. The prayer that is given in Galatians 1.4 is deliver us from this present evil world. 1 Timothy 6.7 says we brought nothing into this world and it's for sure we're not going to bring anything out. Now, I've already read you the scripture in Revelations 9 about the key to the bottomless pit. Well, when we get into the book of Revelations, and we read in Revelations this scripture, it tells us something. And that would be in Revelations chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms, plural, of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is where the ultimate moment of reconciliation happens, as I gave you the scripture in Corinthians. But then if just at that moment, far into the book of, of Revelations, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of Christ, who was the one who had ownership of these kingdoms of the world prior to this event, prior to when they became the kingdoms of our Lord and Jesus Christ? Well, that is very, very interesting. And if you would turn to the book of, um, of Revelations, uh, you, would be able, you would be able to see, uh, you know, or not Revelations, I beg your pardon, to the book of Matthew, uh, you know, uh, you would be able to see uh, something very, 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 very uh, Im important. It is so absolutely important to understand in the book of Revelations, it talks about Jesus being led by the Spirit to the Mount of, of Temptation. He was sent to the Mount of Temptation. And what does it say that happened on the Mount of Temptation? Well, it says that, that Satan took him up on the pentacle of the temple. Now, we see how powerful that Lucifer Satan was. 
and how that he he takes uh, Satan up. Uh, our pardon, Satan, Satan takes Jesus up to the the uh, pinnacle of the temple, and uh, and he says, "Cast yourself down before me." And of course, Jesus doesn't fall for that. Then he takes him to a very very high place, and this this is just incredible. <clears throat> it says that he shows them, he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you'll fall down and worship me, I will give this all to you. All of this I will give to you. Now, we have the word of the Bible. In chapter 4 of Matthew. Then was Jesus led up unto the, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now he was led up by the Spirit. He didn't go up there because that was a mistake. It was, it was a plan. And he had fasted 40 days and 40, night, 40, 40 nights. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. That sounds like such a reasonable request when you're so hungry. But he answered and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city. Now where does the devil take him to? The whorehouse? Does he take him into the devil's den of iniquity? No. He takes him up to the holy city. I read to you Second Thessalonians. He's going to show himself as God. He's not going to show himself as some hoofed-footed goat with, with wine-looking red eyes. Horns. He's he's gonna look. He's gonna be. He's gonna be bright. He's gonna be beautiful. He's gonna be. He's gonna. He's gonna take on a, a look of like being God. And, and billions of people, they, they're gonna not be able to discern from their left hand to the right hand. They're gonna say, "Hey, I can just feel. I can just see. I this this is, this has got to be God." So where does he where does the devil take him? He takes him to the holy city. And and where does he where does he take him to? Some den of iniquity? No, to the pentacle, the very peak of the temple. The very height of everything that the pentacle that the pentacle reaching the height, uh the very height of what the temple as it represents uh, religiosity and and so forth has to offer. And from that vantage point he said, if you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it's written. He gives scripture. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy, least, uh, at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, now look at the par that that Lucifer, Satan, and the devil has. 
He takes him. He's in control here. To an exceedingly high mountain. And shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. This obviously was something that was transacted of the nature. It not only was what was present, but going forward in time, the potential of the glory of all those kingdoms. Wow. And, and he said unto to Jesus, All these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Obviously, they were as the scripture says in many places. When, when Satan came down to this, to this earth, some said, well, he was cast down. Yeah, so are all the thrones of God described in, in the book of Daniel as being cast down because there's a very special meaning to all of that, which I won't take the time to explore tonight. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee in Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And that was the point, you see, that Lucifer had goofed up on and had sinned on, that no one else was to be worshipped but God the Almighty. And Lucifer was really wanting, just like Gog, to also be worshipped. And he felt that he was doing it out of his total summation of wisdom, out of his total summation of beauty, and because he had that sealed up, that gave him the right to expect that. But he was wrong. That was called a pride ship. And he was wrong. And then Satan left him. And then the angels of God came and ministered unto Jesus. What I'm trying to share with you, and I just, you know, ran out of time here to get everything that I would like to have shared with you today. But Satan is, appears as an angel of light. And even when Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, I saw Jesus, he said, I saw Satan falling as lightning from heaven. Lightning is a very significant thing. It's it's powerful. It's it's got thunder. It's got it's got brilliant light. And it is what precedes the very rain that is what nourishes and gives life to the earth and, and life to humanity. Yes. Almost even on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus could say I saw lightning. I saw I saw Lucifer fall as lightning. And because lightning is connected with thunder, and so you have the seven thunders that hold all the mysteries, it says, of the world and the universe. So he connected him with that. And he saw him come down to earth. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't his will. But he came, and when he came, he came as lightning. The speed of light. He was still in the mode of light in brightness. 
The Bible says in Second Corinthians fourteen, or pardon me, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, that He can transform into an angel of light. In Revelations two twenty four, it talks about the depths of Satan. People haven't begun to understand the depths of Satan. They just haven't begun to understand it. Ah, there is so much more. So much more. I'm going to have to finish this next week. I didn't, you know, finish it, I hope. I didn't even get into the, into the book. I have some beautiful things. Because this is all prelude to the book. And needs to be said in order to get into the revelation of the blip forth, uh, force and Lufer. Next week, we'll just have to finish this. I hope your mind has been brightened. I hope you've been able to see something clearer than you've ever imagined. The Bible tells us that if the imagination of your heart is set on Him, God will give you perfect peace. This thing of imagination is a revelation of the image. How you hold in your mind the image of yourself. How you hold in your mind the image of God. How you hold in your mind the image of Lucifer Satan. It's only with the right image, the right imagination that you can truthfully stay fixed on Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. The true light. And if there is a true light, there is a, a false, a pseudo-light. So now let me pray. Please, folks, when you get onto the blogs, they're so outstanding. Please do make comments. Your comments are needed. And please do take the time to read the outstanding comments that are being made on these blogs. Our Father which art in heaven, I thank you and I praise you. I glorify your name. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. Your grace is sufficient for us. It will make us wise. Wise like the wise ones that followed the star and found the Savior Jesus Christ. Reach out today to people who are sick and suffering, falsely imprisoned. Reach out to the starving world. I pray, pray for peace on the world. I pray for salvation to the world. I pray for the healing of those listening to this word. Give them a healthy body. Give them longevity of life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.